0: Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that as this sermon is preached, Lord, that I may decrease and you may increase. And I pray, Lord, that somebody can be touched by your message. And please, Lord, continue to abide with your people. Amen. i read a devotional one morning that said everyone is born an original but dies a copy and on reflecting on those words i guess the real question that one needs to ask themselves is whose image image did you end up reflecting or maybe it's whose ideology did you end up buying into in life The four questions one asks themselves are, who am I? Where am I from? What's my purpose? And what's my destiny? And it really corresponds with origin, meaning, morality and destiny. What the self-help books predominantly teach you is how you can fix you. You know, the God within theory or they give you tips on how to increase your future. Because that ultimately decides your destiny, right? But the problem is, for many people, the where am I from or the origin is riddled with trauma, ridicule, and uncertainty. And as a result, the who I am, namely the meaning, And hence the identity gets skewed, which then results in morality and destiny getting thrown out the window, especially in a spiritual sense. In our life, we often forget that we are first a child of God, then we are a mother, a wife, a teacher, a doctor, whatever your vocation may be, a friend, a daughter. And perhaps it's because we can't physically see the person of god as we do our child or our husband or parents but this is the relationship that is so crucial because it essentially determines the where i am from the who we are and why we have meaning this sermon is going to cover the first two questions which in my opinion forms our identity According to one dictionary, identity relates to the difference or character that marks off an individual from the, vet, from the rest of the same kind. Here's an interesting example of the use of the word identity. They know who I am and that I want to keep my identi- identity silent. I've kept my identity hidden for five years now, but I know deep down inside that it couldn't last forever. And why I've said it's so interesting is because I believe many Christians, myself included, live this type of identity. It's a double life, if you would call it. And I'm not saying my double life is saucy, but it is a double life. How do we evolve from a hiding Christian to a Christian that is efficacious in whatever community they live in? Matthew 5 13 says this you are the salt of the earth but if salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot Christ echoes these words in Revelation 3 verse 16 when he says because you are neither hot or cold I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Christ was identifying the hallmarks of a people who had lost their identity. He's saying in these verses, I want people who have an identity to have a positive effect on people who don't have an identity, so much so that it changes their salvation. And when I placed you in the midst of these people, I found that you had no effect on them because you forgot your identity. For example, if you use Matthew 5.13 as an illustration, salt adds flavour to food. But if it loses that savour, the food remains bland. Jesus is trying so hard to put a flavour in an unpalatable world, using us, believe it or not, but if we are mimicking the people who, who he is trying to save, how will we be an improvement to the situation that this world is in? Matthew 5:14, and this is actually my key text, goes further to insist, "You are the light of the world." A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The text suggests the reason more people are not glorifying the Father who is in heaven is because of us, because we hid our light in the time of earth's deepest darkness. We had nothing helpful to subtract from the darkness when it mattered the most and we allowed ourselves to become a part of the darkness. We blended in at the crucial time when light Was the most precious commodity to be had. And because of that, we have a disenfranchised world scorning their Heavenly Father. Words like these merit the question: who am I? Why am I meant to hold on to what makes me different rather than hide it? What's the point of appearing to be similar in the world when the world Was all the while trying to peer into us looking for a semblance of Christ. What's the point in holding back other people from entering the kingdom by our example and not getting in ourselves? Many have been lost by hanging around Jesus without actually connecting to him. You want an illustration? Try the rich young ruler. He's interesting. He was heavily engrossed in conversations with the Christ, but then he simply walked away. Acts 26, 28, Agrippa's words to Paul were this, almost, almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. And they're the very words that many people repeat to Christ to his face. In the words of Charles Spurgeon, there is a big difference between almost being persuaded and truly being converted. Heaven and hell are divided by these words. In his simplistically radical approach, Christ showed us how we can find ourselves. Essentially, he claimed the only way we could find ourselves is by connecting To him. That messes with minds that have been taught it's a complicated process of disconnecting from humanity to find who you are. When the crux of the matter is that Christ has always been freely offering himself as a connection point to our true identity. If you don't believe me, the Muslims go to Mecca. People think that there's salvation in Israel, and the Buddhists will go on a sojourn by themselves wanting to fix themselves. You don't have to go to Mecca or Israel in his words, this invitation has always been open to all when he says in matthew eleven twenty nine "Come unto me." all ye who are weary and heavy laden his gospel was so hard for many to listen to because it cut to the chase and took out so many pathways that humanity had created to try and find an identity apart from him you don't believe me how many laws did the jews put in place so that everybody could see that they were different when all they needed was the Christ himself. Listen to Christ like a broken record say the same thing over and over to minds that are sure one has to do something harder like a pilgrimage to some faraway land. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. How many come to church hungry or thirsty for something more than anything they've tasted all week and walk out the same way? He says, genuine satisfaction will continue to elude for as long as you try to find it outside of me. The focus then is not who you met at church, what they were wearing at church, or who said what. The focus should really be on using the whole week to connect with Jesus in a way that they can carry their newfound identity with them wherever they go. I.e., when I'm at work, is my job and the way that I'm doing my job showing that what christ is doing with me am i connecting with him in prayer in my aspirations is he my first point of call when a crisis looms i like how mary magdalene made her way as inconspicuously as she could to jesus who was surrounded by many church folk Try as she could, she couldn't help but genuinely connect with Jesus, which led her to her unplanned use of her own hair as a towel for his feet. This genuine connection is what is wanting in many a Christian's heart. Christ made recognition of her genuine act of faith and gratitude, and we read about it in the Gospels. In our inability to connect with Christ, we start to think we're doing Christ a service by belittling those who would dare connect with him so genuinely as did Mary Magdalene and Judas rebuked her. We're so disconnected because we are unconnected to Christ. It is in this disconnected world that Christ came to do the impossible which was to love everyone and to give them his image, his identity. Nobody wants to do what Mother Teresa did, but at the same time, the whole world was brought to admire her genuine dedication to people who the world had no plans of helping. She reflected Christ more than many who claim his name. If inside the church there is no connection, it can only mean there is no connection at the same stalk. Just lone Christians flapping about in the breeze. See, let me give you an example. Christians without the Christ in it spells irons ineffective angry negative and so-called who would want to connect to such a group of people without christ we don't have an identity worth talking about listen to his words on this issue i am the vine you are the branches if you will remain in me and i in you you will bear much fruit, not apple and pears, but the fruits of the spirit as outlined in Galatians 5, and 23. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and I dare add the fruit of sincerity. How many have shipwrecked for want Of one or more of these fruit. How many times have we personally failed for want of one or more of these fruits? You see, the complete verse says I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. What does an individual or a church doing nothing look like? Ellen White writes, if by being indifferent to him, we bear no fruit, we are taken away. Worldly influences take us away from Christ and our portion is the same as that of the unfruitful branch. Our fruit bearing testifies whether we are really in Christ. And Jesus said himself, you shall know them by their fruits. She continues, for all who undertake this work of attachment to Christ, there is an associated and painful work of detachment, pride, selfishness, vanity, worldliness sin in all its forms must be overcome in all its forms if we are to enter into a close union with our saviour jesus says in matthew ten thirty seven, if you love your father or mother more than you love me you're not worthy of being mine for if you love your son daughter more than me again you are not worthy of being mine in coming back to sydney for what i thought was a job opportunity i discovered that god was leading me back to him i had and it's not a bad thing i know unknowingly elevated my close relationship with my daughter to a higher pedestal than I had placed with my relationship with God. Don't get me wrong, I'll always love my daughter. And she brought me to Christ. But I was so engrossed in the work of teaching her about having a relationship with God, it was easy to lose ground in terms of, of my own spiritual growth. I don't regret for a minute that i had her but the reason why so many miss the mark in their christianity is that they try to attach themselves to christ without detaching themselves from idols i don't idolize my daughter i love my daughter but i made it so much so about her seeing the god that we serve that i forgot and sort of had a little bit of a mirror about the christ that i serve you gotta feel your utter dependence on god and when you live in a shoebox of a place with four walls and one bathroom you really start to see only god the life we live in the flesh is not to the will of men Not to please the Lord's enemies, but to serve and honor him who loved us and gave himself for us. And I tell you right now, it's not an easy job. Because there are some people at work I'd like to kill. However, God is teaching me how to communicate effectively, not just with christians not just with the people that we want to be around but with the whole world others try to attach to christ by attaching to others and of these eg white writes one branch cannot be sustained by another the nourishment must be obtained through vital connection with the vine My daughter is not the vine. She was a branch. The vine is Christ. And although that branch led me to the vine, somehow I misplaced the two. But by God's grace, he's brought me back to align what is focal and what is peripheral. You see, my attachment with Christ was found more in my duty to teach her because I had seen what he had done for us. And I was so scared of her going through the teenage years and not seeing or forgetting how far the Lord had been with us and journeyed with us, albeit a good thing, but it wasn't the vital connection with the vine itself. She could not sustain me nor i her it has to be the vine itself because only that vine sustains the branches and i'm a branch as are you a branch my conduct needed to change to reflect that i had a personal journey to undertake that was independent of the gift of a daughter that i had received Christian unity consists of the branches being in the same parent stock. In thoughts, desires, words, actions, there's got to be an identity with Christ, a constant partaking of his spiritual life. Faith increases only by exercise. Christ alone can help us and give us the victory. Christ has to be all in all to us just as the blood circulates through the veins. His spirit must be the vitalizing power that will cause us to influence others to become Christ-like. It should be no surprise to us as Christians that when we have Christ's identity, it navigates our morality and determines our destiny. Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 5 39 you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life but they are they which testify of me without the Christ there is no destination of eternal life in Christ alone we can answer the four questions of life where am I from origin. Who am I? Meaning. What's my purpose? Morality. And what is my future? Destiny. This year, with the separation from my daughter, I may have faced an identity crisis. But but by God's grace, I am learning to find myself daily putting on his identity. May the Lord bless you.